as we're going through the book of Daniel. And last week, we, we ended the, you know, the iconic chapter, you know, Daniel in the lion's den, right? And then we had the privilege of taking communion. And it was amazing just to see how the Lord used Daniel through three different kings, two different kingdoms, put him in key places in those governmental uh, positions. Uh, the book of Daniel, as we talked about last week, is perfectly divided. His personal life, first six chapters, and this prophetic life in the last uh, six chapters, 7 through 12. And we get to start that tonight. Chapter 7, verse 1, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And the visions of his head while on his bed... And then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. And Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion, had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it lifted up from the earth, and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a, a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a, a second like a bear, it was raised up on one side and, and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and they said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. And after this I looked, and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beasts also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful, terrible, exceedingly strong, it had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. It had ten horns. And I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. We read that, and, you know, we wonder what's going through Daniel's mind. Maybe you in this room, I have no idea what that means. Join me. It's the same, right? We'll, we'll find out what it means. We will. But when you first read it, what does it sound like? Science fiction movie, right? But by the way, the, the Bible invented, you know, uh, these amazing apocalyptic stories way before Hollywood ever did. Ezekiel and Daniel. But that's not the important part. Do you understand? That's not the important part. Verses 9 and 10 are. Because who's still on the throne? Who's still on the throne? Even in the midst of these apocalyptic visions, and, and the same thing in the book of Revelation, same thing when we were in the book of Ezekiel, even, even we see these terrifying events, who's still on the throne? 
We can get lost in the, the, the terror. We can get lost in the, the visions. We can get lost in, in all these um, horrific things that are going on. But who is still on the throne? It tells us there in verses 9 and 10. I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Who's still on the throne? And so, dear Father, tonight as we approach this magnificent text, as with all the Bible and, and especially as we've been going through the book of Daniel, Leading, leaving those familiar Sunday school stories, leaving those familiar stories that we've, we've read over and over again and now getting into the more uh, meaty sections of Daniel. Give us wisdom tonight. We know that if we ask, you'll freely give it to us. And we ask that you would help us to understand this. And thank God that your word explains itself as we're going to see. Your word clearly explains exactly who these people are and who, who these um, uh, beasts are and, and who these animals are and, and who these various um, uh, prophecies are talking about. Thank God uh, that, that in this book that it actually comes alive. We can actually see it happening. And so, Lord, maybe there's things going on in our lives that we don't understand. Maybe there's trials and, and tribulations and, and problems and stresses and, and all the things that, uh, you know, it's overwhelming to us. Lord, I, I lift up to you just these people in this room that have raised their hands. Lord, I, I ask that you would help us to realize, as with every situation in our lives, that you're still on the throne. That you're still in control. That you're still sovereign. Let that never be a cliche to us. Let that never just be something, uh, a rote that we say. Help it to be truly a, a part of our lives. To see you working in our lives as sovereign, supreme over all. Over all the problems, over all the situations, over all the things that we are dealing with, Lord. And help us to lay those things at your feet. To see you high and lifted up. Realize that you are truly in control even today. So, Lord, I ask that you would speak to us clearly tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. There's this amazing picture that we see here, and, and you probably, even if you've read ahead and, and you know, read this chapter and the next chapter that comes after it. Uh, I mean, you immediately, you know, compare it to the book of Revelation. In, in fact, you can literally open up Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 13 side by side. And a lot of the same imagery is there. In fact, let me just read you some of the verses from 
Revelation chapter 13. This is uh, the first eight verses, and you'll see a lot of the things, especially as we go to the, the second part of this chapter, chapter 7 in Daniel, and you'll see it very, very clearly. Look at what it says here in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. And then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. And now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. They worshipped the beast saying, who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. He was given authority to continue for 42 months. That's three and a half years. And then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted him to make war with the saints, to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And it feels like, it looks like, oh, it's falling apart. There's chaos on the earth. In fact, that's the way many people approach the book of Revelation. You see a lot of the same imagery in Daniel chapter 7. In fact, a lot of these, the leopard and the bear, all these animals are, you know, actually conglomerated or meshed together in this beast that we see in the book of Revelation. In fact, as we go through Daniel chapter 7 to Jan Daniel chapter 12, we see that not only are there... Uh, short-term revelations or short-term prophecies, things that are going to happen within a couple hundred years after Daniel dies, but also long-term prophecies as well. Uh, uh, those that look forward to the book of Revelation and when uh, Jesus Christ comes back during the what we call the Great Tribulation. We're going to see a lot of the same imagery in both of these uh, places. I want to read just uh, verse 8 again. Can you imagine this? This is Daniel, okay? Remember, he's interpreted dreams many, many times. He interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He, he interpreted the writing on the wall. He's interpreted multiple dreams from multiple kings. And now he's having a dream. What is it like when Daniel has a dream? Yeah. Look at verse 8. I was considering the horns. Okay, this is Daniel, the, the wisest man alive at this time. He's considering what it means, the horns. And there was another horn and a little one coming up among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. He sees this horn push up these other horns literally by the roots. 
this would be very, very difficult to do if you've ever tried to pull out a, you know, a horn, let alone, you know, even just like a, a fingernail or something like that. Can you imagine that? It's horrific, by the way. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man. What does this horn look like? And a mouth speaking pompous words. This little horn that has pushed out all these bigger horns that were over it has eyes, it has this pompous, it's proud of what it's doing. And it now becomes the focal point as we're going to see in the next part of this chapter. And also in the next chapter as well. And also in the book of Revelation. And, and just as Daniel, he, he's trying to ponder these things. What is the very next vision that he's given? Not the answer. Not the answer. But he's given the solution. And in all of our lives, we, you know, we want answers, right? God, why are you doing this? God, what does this mean, right? We always ask those questions. I ask those questions. We, we ask the questions for immediate answers right now. I need to know right now, God. But what does God do instead? He shows the solution. Who is in control? doesn't matter what's going on. And by, by the way, this took place some 2,500 years ago. There's lots of problems that have happened. Wars have happened. You know, nation, all these nations that we're going to see have, have fallen. Uh, nations have risen again. People have come and gone. Who is still in control? This is what we need to highlight whether it's the book of Revelation, whether it's a, a, another section of prophecy in the Bible, whether it's the book of Lamentations, which, by the way, in the very center says the exact same thing that this says. Who is still in control? I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garments was white to snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. Who is in control? Did, did you know that, you know, whether it's, you know, the book of Daniel or the book of Revelation or, or some other book in the Bible, we, we're always trying to find the answers. Well, who are these people? Maybe it's, you know, and you name a celebrity, right? Or you name a, a, a person, right? And, and people make guesses all the time, right? You know what really matters in all of that? Is God still on the throne? We, we always try to, to look for that, that hidden thing when the big thing that is revealed right in, for, in front of us, we always look against or not see. Who is on the throne? Do you know that people are trying to figure out who Babylon is or what Babylon is? In, in the book of Revelation, it, Babylon is mentioned four different times. People say, well, this nation is Babylon, or, or maybe it's the Catholic Church, or maybe it's this group, or whatever it is, right? Do you know every single time that Babylon is mentioned in the book of Revelation, it always says, whoa, whoa, whoa to Babylon. 
that has fallen. It's already fallen. Wow. Who is still in control? God's still in control. Or, or the book of Lamentation where, where Jeremiah is literally crying out to God in the midst of the pit. And if you were here when we were in the, the book of Jeremiah and also in the book of, of Lamentations as well, uh, you saw literally where women were having to eat their own kids behind the wall of Jerusalem. The, the horrific destruction that was going on. And what, what did Jeremiah realize there in the middle of the most horrendous book in the entire Bible? That book that is named Lamentations on Purpose because his heart is literally being wrenched from his chest. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. What do I know every single day when that sun rises? New mercies, new loving kindnesses. Why? Because God is a faithful God. God is always faithful. Even in the midst of our hardest times. The problem is, what do we look at? As with me, as with all of us, what do we look at? Do we look at the solution or do we look at the problems? You know, we look at the problems, right? The, the problems loom big in our eyes when God should be bigger. Is God still in control? And by the way, what's the title given to God in this, this verse here? In verse 9. What's the title? The Ancient of Days. The one who's always been around and always will be around. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 through, uh, 14 through 18 says exactly the same thing. We see the exact same imagery. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. His voice is the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And when I saw him... Boom, I fell on his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. He's always been. He always will be. But listen to verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore who has already conquered even at the beginning of the book of revelation who has already conquered jesus the ancient of days by the way isn't that amazing wow daniel got to see him before john did what's the last phrase there in verse 18 of revelation 1 and I have the keys of Hades and death. Who is in control of even death? Who's already in control? The problem is we look at our problems. Verse 11 of Daniel chapter 7, it continues. And by the way, Daniel is very, very specific. He actually, if you wait, if you, you know... You know, I, I teach guys on Monday night and, you know, they always have questions before the Bible answers them, uh, which is great. You know, I, I, I love it. Uh, 
but a lot of times we, we ask all these questions, we look at the commentaries rather than reading the whole chapter and finding the answers at the end, which is exactly what's going to happen here. Verse 11, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. What's going to happen to the beast? The answer is right there. You already know the end of the story. Right? Who's going to lose? The beast. As for the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And I was watching in the night visions, behold, one like the Son of Man, and this is the title that is very prevalent uh, throughout the Gospels, given to uh, Jesus Christ, Coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. In fact, this is exactly what Matthew quotes in Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 to 31. Listen to what it says there. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with glory and great power. Is Jesus deity? Oh, yes. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. He will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the earth to the other. Wow. Are you going to be a part of that crowd? Are you going to be on the winning side? Do, do, do you know who's going to win even before it starts? The problem is we look at the the trials, the tribulations, we look at all the, the things that are going on that are problems rather than looking to the one who's already in control. Daniel chapter 7 verse 14, it continues there. And then, then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. All these other kingdoms that we're seeing, these four different beasts, these four different metals, these four different creatures, every single one of them will die, be destroyed, which is the only kingdom that will go on forever and ever. It's Christ's kingdom. It's the Messiah's kingdom. Only one kingdom will last and will not be destroyed. Again, the question is, are you part of that kingdom? This is truly amazing. By the way, this, this phrase, his dominion is an everlasting dominion. Uh, we, we learned about that in Nebuchadnezzar. Remember Nebuchadnezzar after he you know, ate grass, regained his sanity. He quoted this exact same uh, phrase here. This is the phrase that he used in Daniel chapter 4, verses 35 and 36. Can you imagine having these visions in your head? 
I don't know what your dreams are like. Remember at the beginning when we were talking, going, starting in, in Daniel, we, I said, you know, I encourage you guys to, to write down your dreams, write down your prayers, because does God answer? Does God still work even today? Is God still in control? So imagine Daniel in verse 15 there. What, and again, we see the personal nature of this. We see Daniel struggling uh, with this. In verse 15, it says, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me, made known to me the interpretation of these things. Wow, isn't that amazing? Don't you love that? Yeah, just ask. That's all you got to do. I'll tell you all. Now, there's going to be certain parts where he has to, you know, wait until later or, or um, not write them down. But, but isn't it amazing how if you just ask, will God show you the truth? Like, that's what the book of James says. If you ask for wisdom, what will God do? Give it to you freely. Right? He'll give it, all you have to do is ask for it. Lord, please give me wisdom. I mean, wisdom today, not only to make the right decisions, but, you know, whether you're studying the Bible or, or having a, a decision that you have to make, Lord, Lord, give me wisdom today. This um, angel tells him, verse 17, those great priests, which are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom, possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Wow, there's a summation of it, by the way. And, and we remember all the way back in chapter 2 when Nebuchadnezzar had his dream and, and the similarities there between the four metals that he saw and the four uh, different animals that we see here and also the two animals that we're going to see in chapter 8. Uh, this is the Babylonian kingdom and then after it, the Medes and the Persians and then the Greeks and the Romans, okay? That's the short-term prophetic word of God during the time of Daniel to the Messiah, and by the way, the correlations are there for every single one of these nations. In fact, look what it says there in verse 19. Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast. That, that horn that comes up, pompous, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, okay? Th this is, you know, one of those creatures that, you know, even before, you know, people that, you know, make these creatures or draw these creatures nowadays, I mean, this, this puts those creatures to shame. The Bible is so descriptive. What is this like? This beast that comes up which devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet and the ten horns which were on its head and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until... The Ancient of Days came. And a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess 
the kingdom? Who is in charge? Wow. Not, not only in verse 18, but, but here also in verse uh, 22, who is with the ancient of days? The saints, the holy ones, those that have their faith in a God. Those that know Jesus Christ personally, are you part of that throng? Are you part of that group? If you know Jesus Christ, you're a saint. Did you know that? Isn't that amazing? Wow. Isn't that cool? To, to not only know that, that Jesus Christ came to die for you, uh, but he took your sins upon the cross and gave you his righteousness. That, that amazing, great, unfathomable exchange that, you know, is beyond our understanding. Why would God ever do that? And he made you a saint. His righteousness in you. Isn't that amazing? Verse 23. Thus he said the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom on earth. Which shall be different from all other kingdoms. And he shall devour the whole earth. Trample it and break it in pieces. The ten horns or ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. And shall persecute the saints of the Most High. And shall indeed intend to change times and laws. Uh, look at the way he does this, this pompous horn. And by, by the way, I mean, I, I'm sure all of you have read commentaries. You you know, maybe looked at various uh, writings on this or tried to understand it and, and, you know, or listened to, you know, blogs or whatever, you know, things on the internet. And a lot of times, you know, we, when, we, when we hear those things, it, it's so easy to focus upon the horn. It's so easy to focus uh, upon, you know, the, the power that's going to be give, given to him. It's, it's so easy to focus on, the, you know, the trials and tribulations that are going to be happening in that time, and rightly so. But who's going to win? And guess what? Many people are wrong in terms of who this is. Many people do not know. In fact, we're not going to know until he actually comes on the scene. As with, you know, many of the, what we call small antichrists or little a antichrists that have been on the scene many, many times in the past. In fact, anyone who denies Christ is considered a antichrist. But there will be one who is a capital A antichrist who will meet all the requirements of these prophecies. Not only from Daniel, but also from Revelations as well. These are the descriptions. These are the, the way that he will act when he comes on the scene. Look at what he's going to do. He's going to persecute the saints. He's going to speak pompous words against the Most High. He will change times and law. And then all the saints will be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. 
And again, we've, we've seen this phrase used before. We see it also used in the book of Revelation, a time as we see, you know, just earlier in this chapter, a time represents a year, uh, times represents a, a plural of years or, or two years, and then half a time is, is half a year. So uh, three and a half years, or as we're going to find out later, 42 months. For, for three and a half years, this, this pompous horn is going to be on the scene. And what is he going to try and do? Everything in his power to defeat God. Everything in his power to overthrow the Christians. Everything in his power to overthrow those that believe in God. And what's going to be the end result? He loses. And everybody's going to be focused on this three and a half year time period and, and worry about uh, this pompous a person who is blaspheming God and causing destruction upon the planet. But will he avail anything? Will he eventually triumph? No. Just like Satan in the cross, right? What happened when, you know, Jesus died on the cross? All those demons are rejoicing. Satan thinks he wins. Wow. But who ultimately won? Yeah. Jesus overcame death, Hades, destruction. Look at what it says there in verse 26. But the court shall be seated and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. What's going to happen to the dominion that this beast, this horn has worked so hard for? Wow. And, and, and you, if you've ever, you know, looked back on your life at a three and a half year period of time. And in the midst of the time period, uh, you know it, it seems like an eternity. But when it's over, what does it seem like? Just like that. Especially when you get older, by the way, okay? Verse 27, And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole earth shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. Who is it going to ultimately be given to? Wow. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? We focus so much on, on, on the, you know, the, the, the bad parts or, or the parts that are terrifying. And we, we very seldom look at the victory. Who's going to win and who's going to be a part of that victory? You. If you know Jesus Christ, you will be a part of that victory. Isn't that amazing? That's what we need to be focusing on. This is what we need to have highlighted right before us. The greatness of the kingdoms under the heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Wow. That exclamation point at the end of the prophecy. Verse 28, this is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me. My countenance changed. But I kept the matter in my heart 
Remember, he, he's at, in this chapter, and, and by the way, the, these six chapters are, are, are kind of interspersed in between or, or uh, during certain parts of the previous six chapters. It's not chronological. The first six chapters are chronological, and the last six chapters are, are topical. They're, they're kind of interspersed throughout the other kings. In fact, uh, this chapter 7 was written and dreamed uh, during the time of King Belshazzar, which was the writing on the wall. Okay? That, that's when this took place in that same uh, time period. I wanted just to read to you a, a, a commentary that I read a little bit earlier. It says that the little horn has already appeared sometime in the past. But that's just a part of it, okay? Let's continue. But since Christ's first advent it's, is wrong, no such ruler has attained worldwide status. No such ruler has subdued three of ten kings who were ruling at once. No such ruler has persecuted Israel for three and one half years. And no such ruler has been destroyed forever. Nor could this little horn be, and it lists several, you know, uh, examples like the, the Roman Catholic papacy. Because the little horn is a king. The little horn is, you know, three and a half years. The Roman Catholicism has lasted a lot longer than that. The, the papacy has not concentrated on destroying or persecuting the nation of Israel. And the papacy has not been destroyed by the return of Christ on uh, the earth. This is in the future. And, and as we see here. Not only did we see Babylon. And Medes and the Persians and the Greeks. And then the Romans. There has not been a, a single king. From all those kingdoms. And even until now. That has fit all these descriptions. This is future. When someone comes up to you and says. Well we're in the millennial kingdom now. Guess what? No we're not. Because this hasn't happened yet. Daniel chapter 8 verse 1. It gets a little bit more specific. Now we're going to look at just two of these beasts. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar. A vision appeared to me. Daniel after one that appeared to me the first time. I saw in the vision and it so happened. While I was looking that I was in Shushan. The citadel which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision that I was by the river Ulai. And then I lifted my eyes and saw. And there standing beside the river was a ram. Which had two horns. And the two horns were high. But one was higher than the other. And the higher one came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward, northward, and southward so that no animal could withstand him. Nor was there any that could deliver from his hand. But he did according to his will and became great. And by again, we're going to find out the answers to every single one of these animals. Okay, Very, very specifically described and interpreted for us. Okay. All we have to do is read. That's very simple. Book of Daniel. Love it. 
Verse 5, and as I was considering, suddenly a male goat came from the west across the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground. And uh, he was moved with rage against him, attacked the ram, broke his two horns, which was no power in the ram to withstand him. But he cast him down to the ground and trampled him. And there was no one that could deliver the ram from his Hand. Can you imagine this, this ram with these beautiful, curling, strong horns, these rams that could literally butt heads and would break anything's neck except for their own. Can you imagine these rams that are fighting and now this goat comes, this mangy goat comes. And what does it try to do? Butt heads with a ram. Can you see the picture, okay? This big, huge, massive, uh, burly, muscular ram with these beautiful horns that wrap around, and then this goat comes. Bah, you know, How, whatever a goat says, right? What, what kind of horns does a goat have, by the way? Yeah, they're, they're, they're not, you know, big and massive like a, a ram's horn. But when they butt heads, which one wins? In this story, it's a, it's a goat, right? This mangy goat overcomes the ram. Therefore, the male goat grew very great. But when he became strong, the large horn was broken. And in place of it, four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came a little horn, there we see it again, just like in chapter 7, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land, which we're going to find out is Israel. And it grew up from the hosts of heaven, it cast down some of the hosts and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of hosts. And by him the daily sacrifices were taken away and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Because of his transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices and he cast truth. Down to the ground. He did all this. And prospered. This horn that comes out of this goat. What does he do? Just like what we saw in the previous chapter. Makes war against the saints. Makes war against those that worship the Lord. Verse 13. Then I heard a holy one speaking. Another holy one said. To, the, to that certain one who was speaking. How long will this vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation and the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? As we're going to see, the, these daily sacrifices, and of course the Jews, this, this was who they were. This is what they did every single morning, every single night. The priest would go into the temple and they, they would offer these sacrifices. A continual burnt offering before uh, the Lord. The, those sweet smelling aromas that would go before God himself. The, the, the place where God literally dwelt on the earth. The temple itself. And of course, when Daniel's writing this, there is no temple, by the way. So again, this is something in the future. What does it say for how long? And he said to me, 
for 2,300 days, and the sanctuary will be cleansed. And it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. But by the way, you, you guys know who Gabriel is, right? You see him in the book of Matthew, the book of Luke, right? He was the guy that came to Mary and Joseph. It told them that the Messiah was going to be born to them, that Jesus was coming to them, to name the Messiah Jesus salvation. He, he's here during the time when, when Daniel is having these dreams, okay? This amazing uh, angel that we see here. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. And he said, by the way, that's the same way that Mary reacted to, by the way. And he said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. Okay, so we, we see various visions. We see chapter 2, we see a, a gold head, a silver uh, uh, body, we see bronze uh, hips, and then we see the, the iron or the iron mixed with clay, okay? And then in chapter 7, we see these, these various beasts. We see this winged lion, we see the bear, we see the winged leopard, and we see the beast that comes out of uh, the ocean. And then in this chapter, we're, we're focusing on the middle two. We see this ram and this goat that come up. Verse 18 very descriptive. By the way, these nations that we're going to be seeing here aren't even in existence at the time that Daniel sees these visions. Remember, this is a vision that is taking place during the reign of Belshazzar, which was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. This is the Babylonian Empire when he sees this vision. Okay? And again, people criticize the book of Daniel. This couldn't have been written at the time of the, you know, whatever it is. People had to have added this later or something like that. Same thing with Belshazzar when we were reading chapter 5. We, we saw the same exact thing. People criticize the Bible because of the various accuracies in it. Can you imagine not only being told the vision through Gabriel... Uh, of all angels, but also to get exact names as well. N n names that, you know, you probably heard in your, you know, junior high history class. Who's the ram? Who's the goat? And he said to me, look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter times of the indignation for at the appointed time, the end shall be the ram which you saw having two horns. They are the kings of Midia and Persia. This is going to be Darius and Cyrus, okay, who come on the throne. Darius we saw in chapter 6 and Cyrus we see in the book of Ezra, okay. Both of those, again, are, are in the Bible. Key people in key positions are put in their uh, uh, council and also even to marry them as well. And then the ram, verse 20, the ram which you saw having the two horns, or excuse me, the male goat, verse 21, and the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. By the way, the kingdom of Greece hasn't even been in existence yet. 
The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation, but not with its power. And if you were awake in your history class when you heard about the Greek kingdom, you, got, you kind of remember some of these things. And I'll, I'll read a little bit of the, the history and a little bit about, about the, the, the Greek kingdom. We'll, we'll see that in just a little bit. Verse 23, and in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise, having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully. He shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Again, this dire time for the people of God. This time where it feels like everything is falling down around them. Through his cunning he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule. He shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in, his pro in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes. But what is his end? Thank God for the butts in the Bible. But he shall be broken without human means. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Will it be a nation that rises up against him? Will it be the Jews that somehow overcome him? No. Who's going to win? God. I just want to read to you just a, a short... Uh, it's not really a history lesson, but just a, a short thing about what happened here. And in fact, this happened not only once, but multiple times already. We'll see this happening in the book of Revelation in the tribulation time period. There at the three and a half mark or the halfway mark of the tribulation where the, 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 you know, this desolation that happens where literally the altar will be made desolate. Where this abomination of desolation will cause something to happen on the very altar of God, making it unclean. This is a, just a, a, a reference to what we see during the Greek Empire. The king referred to here is Antiochus IV Epiphanes. After murdering his brother, who had inherited the throne of the, the Seleucid dynasty, he came to power in 175 B.C. In 170 B.C., Ptolemy VI of Egypt sought to recover territory then ruled by Antiochus. So Antiochus invaded Egypt, defeated Ptolemy VI, and proclaimed himself king of Egypt. Now, this was his growth and power to the south, verse 9 of that chapter. In his return from this conquest, trouble broke out in Jerusalem, so he decided to subdue a Jerusalem, the beautiful land. The people were subjugated and the temple desecrated and the temple treasury plundered. By the way, this happens between the time of Malachi and the book of Matthew. And we don't have this in our uh, Bibles, but if you were to read something like uh, the Maccabees, 
the Maccabees actually have four different books. They are very historical, even though we don't uh, view them as um, uh, canonical or part of the Bible. They are true history where four brothers rise up and actually come against uh, the Greek empire. From this conquest, Antiochus returned to Egypt in 168 BC, but was forced by Rome to evacuate Egypt. And on his return, he, returned, he determined to make the land of Israel a buffer state between himself and Egypt. He attacked and burned Jerusalem, killing multitudes. The Jews were forbidden to follow the Mosaic law in observing the Sabbath, their annual feasts and the traditional sacrifices and circumcision of, of children. And this, of course, is historical. This, of course, you can read, like I said, in the book of Maccabees and also other sources as well. Altars to idols were set up in Jerusalem. And on December 16th, 167 BC, the Jews were ordered to offer unclean sacrifices and to eat swine's flesh to be penalized by death if they didn't. Antiochus' desecration of the temple was to last 2,300 evenings and mornings before its cleansing. Wow. And again, this is historical. Actually, we see this in chapter 8. How many days? How many evenings and nights? 2,300. We see it also in the book of Revelation. That was just a small, little Antichrist. Again, in the book of Revelation, we're going to see the capital A Antichrist do the same in the middle of the tribulation time period. Just want to finish with the last two verses here. And by the way, if you want the rest of it, there's uh, quite a bit more here. If you would like it, I, can, I would be glad to send you my notes. Verses 26 and 27, we'll end it here. The vision of the evenings and the mornings which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. Just like with anything that, you know, overwhelms the prophet, what does Daniel feel in his heart? I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterwards, I rose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. By the way, are people still arguing about all these things even today? You can read a whole bunch of different commentaries and get up with a whole bunch of different versions, different answers. But, but the ultimate question is, who is still in control? Who is still on the throne? Uh, the next two Wednesday nights, uh, I'll be in, in Israel. I want to encourage you to come, though, because uh, we're going to have Mike, Pastor Mike Cosper come. And if you've ever met him, he, he's one of the most humble men that I know. He trained a lot of the pastors in this church already and used to run our, our school of ministry and and um, he's going to be uh, sharing with you guys the next two weeks. But, but in three weeks, I'm going to have pictures for you from Israel, okay? So, so come, okay, please? 
and, and you'll see prophecy in action, by the way. A lot of these same things that we've been talking about, the, the privilege to see prophecy in action, uh, to actually be there. Uh, to be in that, that place. Also, if you would like to see live updates, you can see it on, on the Facebook page as well, the Calvary Chapel uh, Facebook page. But just like Daniel, a lot of times when we're in the midst of these problems, we, we, we unfortunately get lost in uh, the hardships. In any hardship, who is still in control? Who, who has already won victory? When we look back at our lives, who has still been in control? Every single day, every single problem. And thank God that he is. So, Father, I, I thank you for these, my friends and my family gathered here tonight. It's truly a privilege to be able to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you still are on the throne. And in our lives, whether we're you know, being prepared for a trial, in a trial, or coming out of a trial. It's so easy to get overwhelmed by the problems, Lord, on every single life, whatever problems we're going through. So easy to look at the problems. So easy to look at that, that pompous person in our life or, or, or the, the things that are causing our, our hearts to, to be troubled or, or, or the financial decisions that we're having to go through. Or, or maybe it's a family member or a friend or, or something in our life that just overwhelms us and, and it just puts it right in our face. Lord, please forgive us when we look at those problems instead of looking at you and seeing you high and lifted up, seeing you still in control, seeing you omnipotent and omniscient, that you are omnipresent, that you are all-powerful, you are all-knowing, and you're everywhere at once, Lord. Help us to come to the one who has the solution, Lord. Help us to come to the one who is already one. Help us to all come to the one who is victorious even now. Lord, we lay those problems at your feet. Lord, I thank you so much. And I ask that you just bless these, my friends and my family uh, here tonight. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight.